And good morning. Hey, good to see all of you. Um, today, I know there's like a little football game going on, and um, some of you are excited to watch that. Hey, I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them who, who is going to win. Like, be real sure about it, because nobody knows. But turn to someone next to you. Say who you're rooting for. All right, well, um, who's, who's rooting for Seahawks? Any Seahawks fans? Yeah, there's a bunch. And then how about that other team? Anyone on the other team? Yeah, you know who I'm rooting for. All right, well, it should be exciting. Um, and days like this, I'm so glad we don't have an afternoon service, right? Um, but anyways, it's good to be here with you. Um, today we're talking about this, uh, who Jesus is, and some, you know, uh, the people uh, that Paul's addressing, they were um, the, taking the identity of Jesus, and they were just making stuff up as they were going. And so they came up with their own version of who Jesus was, and he was warning against that, right? I don't know if you've ever had this happen. Um, have you ever been mistaken for someone that you aren't, like by a stranger, or someone came up to you and thought you were you know, Brad Pitt or whatever, like they came up to you, and usually it's not Brad Pitt, right? Um, but someone came up to you and did that. Or more embarrassingly, have you ever been on the receipt, uh, giving end of that where you went to someone thinking they were someone else and you thought they were someone else and uh, you found out, no, that person is not who you thought, right? Any of you guys, that happened to you? Any, any like you went, yeah, there's, it happens to all of us, right? Um, and then when you, sometimes when you find out who that person they thought you were and you know who they are, then you look at them, you're like, I don't look anything like them. You know, I'm much better than them. Um, it happens to me actually quite a bit. And I um, have people always coming up to me thinking they know me. And um, there's instances that are just, it's funny because I have some people come up um, and it's happened maybe a, off, the, off my memory at least a dozen times that I remember vividly. And I think it's just because I, I just look so like average Asian guy, maybe. And so they think I look like anyone. But I had a guy, I remember I was up at a retreat site, and I stopped by to get a soda. And this guy that was working at in this Big Bear little store said, oh, hey, you know, you, you have a sister, right? And you ever have that where they're so confident you start questioning yourself? Like, so he said, you have a sister, right? And I was like, no, I don't have a sister. He goes, yeah, you have a sister named Mary, right? And then... I was like, do I have a sister named Mary? I was like, is there something I don't know? I said, no, I, I, I have no sisters. He goes, oh, you're not Mary Sasaki's brother? No, I'm not, right? Um, or, you know, I remember someone, oh, you, hey, you went to high school in San Diego, right? I, no. Are you sure you didn't go? I was like, uh, no, it wasn't San Diego, right? And the craziest thing that happened twice to me, I had strangers, complete strangers, come up to me, one at Angel Stadium and one at Disneyland, and they actually called me by my name thinking I was some other Steve. So imagine like what kind of situation that puts me in because I'm thinking I met him at church or a retreat or somewhere I spoke, so I have to be friendly to them. So I was at Disneyland, I'll share this with you, and I was asking the balloon guy, I still remember, this is like 15 years ago or something, I was asking the balloon guy, where's the nearest restroom? And this guy grabs my arm, he goes, hey, Steve, and I look over, and I have no idea who this guy is, <laughs> but he knows my name, so I'm thinking, I feel so bad that I don't know him. So I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? And I was like, high school, church, like, what's going on? And then he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. He goes, you're not who I thought you were. So then the, the balloon guy sees all of this and thinks, now he was crazy, but I'm crazy, you're. And now, um, anyway, so it, it's, it's happened. Um, you know, what we know about someone makes a big difference, right? We can't just assume someone is some, something. We can't just assume someone's identity is this. We can't just say, oh, I think you look like him, so I 
this is who you are. Like, you look like the guy that had a bunch of sisters. That must be you. We can't just go and say this. And when it comes to who Jesus is, the identity of Jesus, this is a big issue. And John here addresses this, that people were teaching about who Jesus was and they were making it all up. And it was different than who he was. And this was a huge deal. Now, this may sound like a theology class, a seminary class today, um, but who Jesus is, the identity of who God is, is very important. So it's not so much in our culture today, in Western Christianity culture, most of us are just, most not us here, but I'm saying Western Christianity's sake, most of us are just simply interested in being inspired. Oh, that song touched me. That was a nice message. Um, it, it inspired me. Chicken soup for the soul kind of thing. But really what is important is who he is. Having a proper theological understanding of who God is. Because we can now be making idols of God and not know it. And that's what here he is addressing. You know, we read a kind of a longer passage and it uses words like, you know, the last hour and antichrist. And um, some of us, you hear that and you're already afraid, but you don't know what the antichrist is, but you're like, it must be scary, demon, devil, what is this? Um, and people in, the, in history have speculated a lot of things about who the antichrist was. And we're going to look at that. And then we're going to look at how we can know Jesus. How we could sustain and maintain our relationship with Jesus. Knowledge is not simply just book knowledge. It is a relational knowledge. It's a proper knowledge. Right? And so we're going to see that here. Um, verse 18, it talks about the last hour. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Now so many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. All right? uh, does this mean that John was wrong? Like, he talked about the last hour almost 2,000 years ago, and we're still around. Does this mean Jesus didn't show up? Is that what he's talking about? No, it's not chronological. He's not saying, boy, time is ticking away. We're at the last hour. It's a sign of what is to come next. It's kind of the next season that's to come. And today, you know, nowadays you'll go around, you'll start seeing flowers bloom and new leaves come about. You see this happening because now, uh, you know, winter is coming to an end. It's the last and the new season is here. So it's more like a theological understanding that, that describes what is to come after Jesus died. There would be many antichrists. So he goes, we're in that time. We're in that period. We're in that season. That's what he is saying here. And the season that he is describing is where there are antichrists, or antichrists, uh, plural. What is that? Someone, obviously, in our English, someone who is against, someone who is opposite, someone who is uh, on the polar other end of Christ, someone who is not for him but against him. Basically, it teaches us this, and, and um, many over the years, have tried to specify who the Antichrist was. The reformers often talked about it was the Pope of the day was the Antichrist, or today many people open the newspapers and you're trying to figure out who the Antichrist is and the end times and so on. But what the text tells us is not that it's a specific person we're trying to figure out, but it is anyone who denies the deity of Christ, who changes his identity. And so they're coming to you with another Jesus. It looks like Jesus, sounds like Jesus, but it's not the real him. And they're saying, this is here, try this. It's like bringing a knockoff, fake version of something and saying, this is the real thing. And this is what it says here, verse 19. Uh, they went out from us. This is talking about the Antichrists, right? But they were not of us. 
For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, and they went out, uh, that it might become plain uh, that they all are not of us. So he said they, they started in the church, and they went out, and they said, I got something new. I have something novel. And they went out and said, let me teach you about a new revelation I have about who Jesus is. So they, were, they started in the church. doesn't mean they were saved Christian people. But there were people within the church that they knew, and they went out, and they started these groups and sects and cults, and they said, we're going to go and start something new. And what do they teach, right? Verse 22, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. He, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. It was some kind of a denial of Jesus Christ of his divine nature, of his origin, of his God state, that he was almighty God. And many have come today to try to come up with some kind of reasoning behind who Jesus is. And you will hear uh, a lot of people, whether it's in, in the university setting or whether it's a cult setting, a theological cult setting, where they will change the identity of who Jesus is. Um, Galatians 1, Paul reminds us of this. In verse 6, and I read, um, I am astounded, astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. And we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So even if you have a vision, and even if an angel comes, even if the Apostle Paul himself changes the message, he says, no, it's not the person that says it. It's, you have to know what is right. And we see this often here. Um, I'm going to just share um, some heresies of those days um, that came about. Um, and these were in church history, some of the heresies that uh, were that, that denied somehow the, the, the deity of Christ, the true identity of who he is. And I would just want to highlight a few um, with you. Uh, first one, uh, Apollinarianism. Apollinarianism, and there's a little picture up here. It basically says is Jesus was man, the body is man. But the divine nature met him when he was baptized. And so his mind and his spirit kind of fit together like two pieces of a puzzle. And so he's kind of a half and half. Like body is man, but mind and spirit is deity. And so they say, isn't this who Jesus is? And no, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And so it's very subtle. And someone could come to you very in a persuasive way and say, well, does it really matter? Yes, it does who he is. The second one, Nestorianism. And these are all named after those who were um, supporting these heresies or teachings. Uh, this is the idea that within the casing of the body of Jesus, there were like two, two beings. There was the human person and the divine person. And there was like two people that were dwelling in one. It was as if like two people would go into a costume and they were a costume of one, you know, let's say an animal, but there's two people like a costume of a horse and there's two people that went in. 
and there's, you know, me and someone else, and we're in the costume. Yeah, we look like one on the outside, but on the inside, we're two separate beings that are actually there together, right? And this is different than the real Jesus. And thirdly, Eutychianism, and this says that the human nature, the divine nature, met, and it became this new thing. So what it's saying is Jesus isn't man. Jesus isn't God. He's kind of this new nature thing. That, that There's no one like Jesus. He's kind of different now. He's a, he, you know, these two things mixed, and it made something different like Jesus. He's not man, and he's not God. No, the Bible t- teaches us he's 100% man, 100% God. And so I, I share these with you because throughout the centuries, um, in church history, we, the people that have studied and learned and prayed over these centuries, over these types of heresies, protect us. And it's easy for us to dismiss it and say, boy, that doesn't inspire me. Like me learning about, you know, uh, Eutychianism, that doesn't do anything for me today. It doesn't inspire me. But it is very important. And we have to understand who Jesus is. You know, um, C.S. Lewis famously writes about Jesus you know, that either he is, you know, who he says he is, he's God, or he's a liar, or he's a lunatic, right? Lord, liar, lunatic. This is kind of a good defense of who Jesus is, right? And I quote just from his book, either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You could shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you could fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. Let us not come to him that way. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. And so what he is saying is don't say he's just a good teacher. Because if you say he's a good teacher because he proclaimed to be God himself. But you say, well, he's not God. He's just a good teacher. He's one of the many good prophets that were out there. But that's not what he said. So how could he be a good teacher if he made claims about himself that aren't true? So his thing is, you have three choices. He's either Lord, liar, or lunatic. But you can't say he was just a good moral teacher, prophet type of person. Now, we have to have a firm grasp of who Jesus is. Um, We have to understand him, you know, and... Uh, it is very important for us to grasp this truth. Uh, you know, in 2 Peter 3.18, for example, it tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of him. So it's not just the grace of like, gosh, you know, he, he helped me. He, he saved my family. He, he provided for me. There's grace. He's given me stuff I don't deserve. Not just that, but he says in knowledge. It's not just the benefits of the things God gives me, but I, I have to know him. I have to go deeper with him. And how do we now have a firm grasp of Jesus? And in our text today, I uh, just wanted to share three um, kind of ways or thoughts about this. All right. Number one, we have to know that we have an enemy, a common enemy. The enemy is Satan. And Satan, the, one, the major antichrist, does not come in the form and is not going to stand outside our church doors with horns and try to scare you away from it. It will only make you run to God more. But the enemy comes in subtle ways. 
Remember, he talks about these antichrists. He says they came out from us. They were within us. And it, they, the antichrist, the Satan, comes in a certain way where it almost sounds like it's the same thing. It almost sounds like, hey, it, it's all pretty nice. Why can't we all just get along? It all sounds like, boy, they use the same terminology. They must mean the same thing. But it isn't. And we have an enemy that is against us. Verse 26, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. There are people, there's the, the evil spirits, particularly Satan, the Antichrist, is, is trying to deceive us. Trying to deceive you. So when life is not going so well, Satan will come and say, see, there's no God. Why waste your time? Don't trust in God. You know, just, just figure it out, man. Just, just handle your own problems. Or when life is going so well, they'll say, you don't need God. Look how good you're doing. You're, just, you're smart and successful. And they'll come and they'll throw ideas at us. There's an enemy that is against us. Please don't think that this is just about me and God and us getting along. There's an enemy that is trying to put a wedge in between us. There's an enemy that is trying to keep people outside of our church doors. And so the, the picture we see here is that of someone who comes with the same words. It, we, you've probably all been approached by um, some Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons in your lifetime. Uh, you know, I, and I, I've been approached by many, and uh, we always have a fun con conversation. I don't tell them I'm a pastor. I just, you know, um, and talk to them, and, and it's one of the perks for my, uh, and I joke around with, for my wife is, like, I, I get to answer the door and deal with them. Like, she's like, oh, good, you, you, that's, your, that's your area. Go deal with it, right? And then, um, so they just watch me. Like, uh, it was about a month or a month and a half ago, and I, I came home, and as I'm pulling into my driveway, I see a car pull up. And my Jehovah's Witness, you know, detectors were going off. Like, beep, 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 beep. It was like a radar. I knew that who they were. And they, four of them get out of the car. And it's, you know, 85 degrees. And they're all dressed up, you know, and they're walking around now. So I'm like, you know, I was washing my car. I was like, should I talk to them? Should I not? Should I talk to them? I said, I, I'm going to talk to them. And it was after one of our uh, leaders' meetings. And I think I was, you know, encouraging our leaders to make sure you go into the world. You know, and so anyway, so I, I was like, I should talk to them. So they, they go to my next door neighbor, they don't answer the door, and then they start walking over to me. So I, I engage them first, hey, hey, good to see you too. Come on over, ladies. Uh, they were probably in their 60s, two ladies. And they came over. I go, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you came by. And I started just, I, I, you know, I started asking the questions. Well, what's your name? What do you believe about, what happens when this happens? And, um, and one of the ladies, uh, usually the, the cases, they have kind of the, the, the teacher or the trainer, and they have like the disciples. So the disciple doesn't know anything, and they just tag along to watch. But so I kept asking her the questions. I was like, hey, so what do you believe? How did you become a Jehovah's Witness? And then, you know, her friend would jump in. You know, the, the, those two comedians where one doesn't talk and one does all the talking? Penn and Teller, right? It was kind of like that, but it was Jehovah's Witness version. So like, she wouldn't talk, the other kept talking in, for her. And I was like, well, hey, I said, what if I could show you in the Bible that Jesus claimed to be God himself? I said, what would you do? And she, like, and she looks at the, and goes, well, you know, no. And I was like, and I kept asking, I said, do you have a King James Bible? Because they'll use a King James. They won't use the other. I said, how about let's look at a King James Bible. I said, can you look up Hebrews chapter 1? And she's, you know, looking at the front section of her. I go, oh, that's not where Hebrews is. You know, like, hey, you got to go in the back. No, 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 no. Keep going, keep going. And she's like, you're not an average. That's what she said. You're not an average Christian, are you? I said, I'm pretty average, you know. <laughs> I'm pretty average. Ask my wife. I'm, I'm kind of sometimes below average. Um, but anyway, let's, let's go to Hebrews. 
And I was like, see, you know, you know, who is God speaking to when he calls him Lord here? You know, and I was explaining these things, and they kind of said, you know, thank you. Like, we, we got other things to do. And, um, and then I said, and this is a, you know, they, they will refuse to have you pray for them. So I said, well, let me, let me pray for you. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. We can't let you do that. I said, no, let me, I said, you owe me some, you know, I gave you my time. Let me pray for you. They said, no, 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 no. And literally, I said, well, I'm going to pray for you right now. And they started running down <laughs> away from my house. I'm praying for you. You know, and I was like, and then I started having a little fun. I was being bad. I was like, I'm going to pray for you right now. Just, just you and all your friends in the car. And then they just literally drove off. Because they believe, like, uh, you're praying to a different God. They, they're not allowed to do that. And they have their teachings. They looked nice. They were polite. They were dressed nice. They came. Good intentions, somewhat. Deceived. Today, we get so caught up in just the appearance of things. Just, uh, they, it, it inspires me. It's nice. It's motives. But what is the truth? We have an enemy among us, and we have to be very vigilant of this. We have to be tight and strict when it comes to the things that are important. And we can be liberal in other areas of way we love people and, and welcome the different types of people into our life. But man, when it comes to theology proper of who Jesus is, we can't sit there and say, it's up to everyone. Let's go and discuss this, and it's up to you, majority rules. No, it's what the Bible says. And so there's an enemy among us, secondly, we have to go back to the scriptures and read the Bible. There's three ways that I talked about. We have to know there's an enemy. Secondly, we have to read the Bible. We have to go back to this. It tells us here, verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. What you heard in the beginning, he's telling those, you remember, Jonathan, you remember what we taught you. Remember the words that you heard. Remember the gospel you heard when you came to faith. You remember the basics, the fundamentals of Christianity. Let that truth abide in you. Let that be real in you. Don't let that fade away. Uh, and I mentioned this, but you know, today we often approach the Bible for mere inspiration. The verse of the day. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Verse of the day, I can do all things through, you know, that's what we want to see. You know, it's like, give me some inspiration. Now, inspiration, being inspired from the Word of God is very important. Being motivated from the Word of God is very important. But that's not all we go to the Bible for. We have to go in to now learn of God, to know of God, to think of God. You think about the greatest, the great universities that were formed in our country, it all happened because they were now studying the Word of God. It happened by Christians. It was started by Christians who were teaching the truth of God's Word, not just to inspire a little bit, a little snack here or there, but to say, this is where I'm being fed from. This is now who God is. This is who Jesus is. This is what these words mean. And it is so important for us to understand that truth to know and to learn. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Let me encourage you to not just read the fun parts of the Bible, the verse for the day, uh, the little segment of the day, but man, just to take it in and say, where is God in the book of Judges? Where is God when it comes to Nehemiah? Why did this happen? What, what does the Psalms, psalmist say about God 
and how great he is before I try to contextualize God to fit into my little life. Oh God, can you do this? And God, can you do that? I think God, no, let this speak. And I want to challenge you, man, just to spend time to not just read the fun parts that are easy to read. No, don't, don't be like that. But to, to take in chunks of it. Go get some books and go get, hey, go get a study Bible if you need some help and say, I want to learn of this. Go take the class that's offered at church. Say, what, what is these minor prophets talking about? Why did some of them die for these messages? I want to go and learn. And so often we think of learning in the church as, man, that's just boring. Learning is just boring. It's long. It's, it doesn't inspire me. But no, it's the foundation. It's the stuff that we learn from the beginning. And thirdly is to abide in the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit, who we often neglect and forget. God the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us the truth. Is the counselor who walks beside us. And it says this in verse 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you all have knowledge. Verse 27, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it was taught you, abide in him, abide in him, abide. It's a word that's used often in the Bible. It means to live with him, walk with him, talk with him, pray to him. He's speaking specifically of God the Holy Spirit comes from the Son, and the Son gives the Holy Spirit to us. He abides in us. He teaches us the truth. This means our prayer life, that we're, we're talking to God, and the Holy Spirit is teaching us these things. And maybe there is lack of clarity in life. Before we run to someone for advice, go to God. Say, God, Holy Spirit, teach me these things. You know, um, one of the things I, I share... And we, we all know what it's like, but after years of marriage, right? And I share this particularly with newlyweds as they're getting married, and I talk about, um, you know, how nice it is to know each other on a more intimate basis. And now, you know, this is our um, 16th year, I think. Yeah, so 16th year of marriage for me and Sharon. And I know her so much better, and she knows me so well. Like, and so, you know, we didn't even know each other when we first got married. And it's kind of scary, right? I mean, we knew each other, but I'm just saying, right? I mean, okay, so we, we knew each other, but don't they didn't know each other? Wow, primitive, right? No, uh, we knew each other, but um, now, man, it's just deep. Like, I know what she's thinking. I know what she wants. She drops a hint. You know, I know what that means, right? Like, oh, tomorrow's trash day. That means like, hey, take out the trash, man. You know, that's, you know, husbands, that's what that means, right? Anyway, so, um, but I, I, I know, and I know her deeply, and she knows me. It happens as we communicate. You ever see someone that you haven't seen in a long time? You have nothing to share and talk about, and you don't even know if you really know that person. You have vague memories, faint memories of them. And that's what it is. Sometimes with our relationship with God, we say, boy, I think God was like this. You know, I remember David and Goliath and a few stories. I remember in college, I went to this thing, and I, I encountered God, but it's been 10 years. It's been 20 years. We need to walk with him. And the truth then is continually reinforced in us. So when the lie comes to us, we say, I know that's a lie. I know that's not true. But we have to walk in him. How you believe is just as important as what you believe about Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge us. We as a church, 
or the cross, we say the cross is the way, crossway church. As we bear that name, that we would know Jesus, not make him out to what we want him to be, not project an image on him that we want, but we would know him. We would grow deeper in knowledge as the years go on. And we would cherish him. Let's not have a vague uh, description of Jesus in our lives. Let's not have a relationship where we barely know who he is. But let's know him deeply. And let's walk with him as he teaches us through the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads, could we? Heavenly Father, um, thank you for giving us God the Holy Spirit in our lives who teaches us all things. And God, uh, we want to now abide with you and we want to maintain this relationship. We want to know this relationship. We want to strengthen it before any deceivers come and try to put doubts in our minds about who you are and what we think you ought to be. God, we want to know you. And Jesus Christ, you are Lord, beautiful. You are God Almighty. You are the humble servant who emptied himself. God, we want to grasp that in our lives as we grow older. We want to know you on a deeper level. It just makes us want to praise you more. There's no one higher than you, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, keep us from ever dragging you down. Lord, help us to know you and exalt you in all that we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.